Well, hey guys, thanks for joining me today. I have something a little different to share with you today. One of my former students, Roman Hamilton, is one of our local pastors. He pastors Poplar Bluff Baptist Church near Teleco Plains. And Roman and Paul Chapman have started a podcast that they call Truth Revival. Truth Revival. And over the past year or so, they've asked several Christians from our community to join them for conversation on their podcast. And a few weeks ago, they invited me to come talk with them about some of the tough issues that pastors are facing in our day. And we had some, I think, interesting conversation about critical theory and some other issues that pastors may be being tempted to kind of soft pedal in our day. And it's causing a lot of grief and a lot of problems in the church today. I thought you might be interested in listening in on some of the conversations, so I'm going to play some extended excerpts from it for you here today. Now, this was an audio podcast, not video, so apart from the video you're seeing right now, there's not much else to see, but I will keep some links up on the screen for you while the audio plays, so you might want to write those down if you want to check it out. If you'd like to listen to the entire podcast, maybe some other conversations that Roman and Paul have had, they'd love for you to check out their podcast. Like I said, it's called Truth Revival. And I will post a link to it on my webpage when I upload this podcast to make it easy for you to find them. If you're interested in learning more about critical theory, I did post a video with kind of an introduction to that subject that was designed especially to help Christians understand this controversial issue a little bit better over a year ago. I'll make sure there's a link to that video as well if you want to check that out. Okay, so here you go. This is from Truth Revival. Well, our guest today is a dear friend of mine, someone who has sold into me for many, many years. His name is Steve Hall. He was my pre-calculus <laughs> math teacher yeah. at Teleco Plains High School back in 02. Wow. I can remember Stunning. that. <laughs> yes. Wow. I can remember that, Mr. Hall. And we've just been catching up right here in uh, I do remember that Mr. Hall used to do a lot of his uh, lessons on PowerPoint. Mm -hmm. Still do. Still do. <laughs> and he was talking, you know, even before the, the podcast about uh, his show. And, and, and I definitely want you to plug that, Mr. Hall, your your show, your uh, your place that people can, uh, can keep uh, up to date with your stuff. But he's always been kind of a techie. Well, he's be been careful. ahead of his time. <laughs> be right careful. So, Mr. Hall, just tell us a little bit about you know about you, how you got here, and what your ministry is like today, and then we'll uh, tackle this topic. Well, let me let me say this first. I couldn't believe when I asked you a while ago when did you graduate? Two thousand two. Oh my goodness, that's impossible. I came to Teleco <laughs> High School in uh, in the fall of ninety nine, and uh, <laughs> one of the first things that happened. Dan Schlafer was the principal then. And Good course, guy. Yeah, yeah. And Mitchell Witz was there. And I'll never forget walking down the hall with those two guys one morning before school started. <laughs> and uh, and Dan said, we want you to be our new FCA guy. And I said, now, wait a minute. <laughs> There's something wrong with this picture. I said, I'm not a coach. I've never been a coach. I've never been an athlete. <laughs> <laughs> FCA, are you sure? He said, yeah, but you're a Christian. <laughs> I said, well, I'll, I'll plead guilty to that. So I said, if you really need me to, I will. And that's how I got to know you, Roman, you know, mm -hmm. was because you got really involved in the NFCA. Yes. And, uh, yeah. and meant a lot. I mean, a lot of kids got involved in FCA because of your influence. You really, 
And one of the most exciting things I remember during your tenure there at Teleco as a student is something that happened on the parking lot out there with you and your brother. You remember that incident? <laughs> when I fell on my face. <laughs> I, missed, I missed the truck. Yeah. and Almost uh, lost you on that one. Yeah, really. It was did. About got hurt wrong? Very traumatic. I uh, tried to – I was kissing my girlfriend. It was Corey, you know. She was trying to say goodbye to me. I had to go to football practice, and for whatever reason, I could have just walked to the field house. But I saw Lance driving his truck, and I thought, I'm going to jump in the back of his truck. He's going about 20, 25 miles an hour. I don't know why. And uh, I caught him. You know, it was I took like a perpendicular type angle. I, I caught him as he was going through, and I didn't, I didn't make it. And I bounced off the mm. truck, and my face hit the pavement and oh, like wow. busted my face Bad open. Stuff. Yeah, I was, I was, it was pretty bad, yeah. <laughs> but I digress. You know, the rest <laughs> well, is history. I'm glad you lived through it. I really I am, am glad too. we got you. That's so how long have you pastored here now? I've forgotten. Been pastoring Poplar Bluff for, I think this is maybe 11 years. Wow. That's hard to believe too. Yeah. Been, been, <laughs> been serving at this church in general. Mm as in a pastoral capacity for over 15 years. Wow. Because I was youth pastor before yeah. I became the pastor. Wow. So try to stay yeah, faithful. Yeah, yeah. Well, when you're my age, every time you hear anybody talking about time intervals, it always just seems, what? <laughs> it can't be true. <laughs> but that's that's life. You know? I, I remember Mr. Hall from Bethlehem. And, mm. and it was sometime around 99 that Mr. Schaefer, Schaefer, is it Schaefer? Mm -hmm. Schlafer. Schlafer, Schlafer, Mr. Schlafer. He actually had my band come to the school, and we played at Teleco High School and had a, um, an amazing response in the Lord. Yeah. And uh, it was somewhere in that time frame. I don't know if you were there yet or not. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think it, I, I think I was, but but I, I know that Dan, Dan was always really supportive of all the Christian activities. Yeah. You know, he... he Became a Roman Catholic, right? Did you know that? No, I did not know. Yeah, that. he did, and uh, and it, it, it gets to be a long story that we're not here to talk about that right now. But but one time I asked him, I said, "Now, brother, you know, he just seemed like a normal normal Southern Baptist kid to me, you know, man. But it, but his dad had been a Southern Baptist pastor and and, his, and had some unpleasant experiences in the church. But so when Dan left, uh, his, his he and his wife, I think he coached for a while, maybe at Knoxville Catholic, and that's probably what led into relationships into the Catholic Church. But I asked him one time, brother, I need to know what, which one of your beliefs or ones of your beliefs have changed since you joined and became a Roman Catholic? And he said, not one thing. <laughs> I, thought, <laughs> I thought this is kind of a strange Roman Catholic guy. He's a hybrid there. But but, but he, he really loved Jesus, and he knew the truth about Jesus, yeah. and he was all for anything we could do to bring in anybody to share the gospel. He was always asked if we had youth revival or something like any of our kids get saved. You know, he was fascinated. He, yeah. was, he was into it. So Super good him. guy. He supported us a lot. I appreciate it. And, and it's hard to find that now uh, in the system. Yeah, oh, yeah. And, and a, lot, a lot of people are terrified now of doing anything Christian yeah. much in the school. But what's on my heart right now, brother, we talked a little bit about this before, is the pressure that pastors are under all over the world. That's always been true. Pastors are always under a lot of pressure. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and right now I'm seeing things happening in our own Southern Baptist Convention that I realize I could be wrong about. It may be, I may not be seeing everything quite right, but what I'm seeing or what I think I'm seeing is breaking my heart. 
And it's because there are some worldview pressures that are coming against our pastors that, uh, that some of them are just finding too, too much to resist, too hard to stand firm in God's word, I believe. And so they're kind of mentally making some adjustments to allow themselves to feel good about, I think, being a little bit wimpy when it comes to God's word. Oh, wow. And it, and it really, it's really making me uncomfortable. I think the greatest pressure, Mr. Hall, is Romans 12, 2. Be not conformed to this world. Mm, yes. And we are seeing that pressure right yeah. now. And yeah. what's happening is a lot of pastors are caving right. under this pressure because in a world system that says, yes, this is legitimate and this is correct and this is right and this is scientific, pastors don't really have much of an answer mm. other than, well, that's not in alignment with the word of God. This is not biblical. And then you have people say, you know, well, that's just your views mm. on, on scripture. Mm. And it's really crazy that we can read the same text mm -hmm. and yet somehow come to a different conclusion. I have heard people say that before. Now, some people can read the same text and come to a different conclusion. I do not want to advocate that. And I do not want to endorse that because the Bible says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ. And so if we're all striving for the mind of Christ, the mind of Christ should be singular. Mm, yeah. would, you, would you agree? And the spirit should bear witness. The spirit mm. should bear witness. That's Romans eight sixteen. The spirit should bear witness. Now, again, this is why well, we're here to, to talk about it, Mr. Yeah, Hall. And so you go ahead. Well, the truth in Scripture is just truth. I mean, you, you, that's kind of your theme of your podcast, isn't it? Right. Truth. We, we, want to, we want to stand on God's truth. And truth is not one thing to one person and something else to somebody else. The truth right. is just the truth. It's just right. what corresponds to reality. It's what God says. God says, I'm a God of truth. My word's the word of truth. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth yep. and the life. <laughs> and, and no one comes to the Father except through him. And, and so the truth is settled. And I don't get to decide what my truth is and, or, or what I'm going to stand for and not stand for based on what seems to be working for me. You know, yeah. I, I just don't get to do that. Now, the problem that pastors have, and pastors have always had this problem, I think, is we want to keep people happy. <laughs> you know, pastors, <laughs> pastors don't want to make people upset. They don't want people leaving their church. They don't want givers to quit giving. You know, it's, it's important <laughs> to keep people coming and keep people giving. And so, uh, and it's important to grow. We want to reach people for Jesus. You know, I mean, that's, that's, Great commission. We want to carry it out, but it means making disciples, not just getting numbers in, you know, it's building people into the image of Christ. Agreed. Now, what some, <laughs> so when you talk about evangelism to some people, that's exactly what it means. Biblical evangelism, making disciples, helping people get to be more and more like Jesus and learn how to stand firm in God's word. That's what we're here to do. To other people, it means getting numbers up. Bring in the numbers, get mm -hmm. the people, get the people. And, and Making converts. Yeah, kind of, yeah. And then there's another thing I think that pastors are struggling with that goes along with that, and that's this issue of unity in the church. Obviously, God's big on unity. He, we're one in the body of Christ, and we mm -hmm. need to aim for biblical unity. But that is not at the expense of the truth. <laughs> yeah. You can't say in order to keep unity, we will downplay certain issues because some people will get unhappy. And in the name of unity, we just won't talk about those things. And I'm afraid that's what's happening right now. Yeah. 
even in a small church, I mean, you, you can imagine a situation, for example, where a pastor, well, I hope I'm not, you know, <laughs> something. I, I hope I'm not dealing with the reality. I'm making this up as I go. Speak freely. <laughs> but you can imagine a pastor in a small church, and he's got a, a deacon, for example, that's very, very important to him, and he's got a good relationship with that deacon. And that deacon has kids, and one of his kids is, you know, 18, 19 years old, and he starts living with his girlfriend. And they're a member, he's a member of the church. And the, and the deacon's basically saying, hey, let's not make too big of a deal out of this. You know, I think it's just a stage he's going through. He'll, he'll be okay. Well, there's a lot of pressure on that pastor. What do I do? I mean, this is sin. This is not okay. I need to take a stand here somehow. What am I going to do? And I don't want to offend this brother. And so you're saying, Lord, help. And the, in the easy way out is just to kind of try to soft pedal it and downplay it and yeah. not, not make a big deal out of it. And we're liable to get to the place where we start compromising sin and the world sees that and they, you know, there's some people in the world say, oh, that's cool. They're, they're comfortable with this. They ought to be. And other people say, they're not really Christians, are they? You know, and, and we got to decide what we're going to be. Yeah, a little leaven leavens a whole lot. Yes, sir. And God gave us church discipline for a reason. And most churches don't want to deal with it these days because they're afraid of making some people mad. Some people will leave and, and, and get yeah. unhappy. And, and so it forth. is super uncomfortable. It's really uncomfortable. It's not pleasant. We and don't it's like also it. something that must be handled delicately. Yes, it does. With a lot of prayer and a lot of sensitivity. I'm not saying you just go like a bull in a china shop here. <laughs> but but it just can't be swept under the rug. you got to figure out, Lord, how do I deal with this? And, you know, I, I was talking in our Sunday school class this week about about that kind of thing, how, how easy it is for us to... Um, soft pedal God's truth. You know, we just, we just have to learn to stand firm. That's the name of our class, by the way, we're calling our class a standing firm yeah. class. <laughs> but, but, uh, but right now we have men in our, I think it's harder even for high profile men, you know, we call them maybe celebrity pastors, these kind of guys, because in many cases they've got a lot of people they're trying to reach and trying to keep. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, if you want to cut this out, you can. But but I, I I I used to David Platt was one of my heroes, man. I love David Platt, and now I've just gotten heartbroken over what David Platt's doing because he seems to me, in the name of unity, he came out with a book before the last election called "Before You Vote." I don't know if you saw that book or I not. I haven't read it. Yeah, I read it, and it <laughs> broke my heart because he he one of the things he did in there, for example, is to, he he tried to make a a grid of, of how people could choose how to vote to make, make it kind of look like a window with panes in it or something, a chart. And, and he said, you know, there might be somebody who's really pro-life, but they don't think either candidate will be able to do much about the pro-life issue. So they just kind of put that aside. I'm paraphrasing him here. You understand? Right, but right, when right. he said some, and, and they say, but I'm also against poverty. And I believe this, this democratic candidate will, will be against poverty. And so I'm going to vote for that person. And he said, that's perfectly legitimate. We Christians need to stay out of politics. You know, that, that's what he's saying. Now, I understand the mentality. Back back in the oh, a few dec- decades ago, that would have been perfectly acceptable almost because almost all the politicians would have wanted to have the Christian vote. And almost none of the politicians were advocating for critical theory or for uh, the LGBTQ stuff. Abortion. You know, I mean, yeah, I mean, abortion, yeah, wasn't even on the radar screen years ago. 
But little by little, unfortunately, the Democratic Party has embraced things that Christians can't stand for if we're going to be real biblical Christians. So we have to decide, what are we going to do about this? And there are people out there saying, you cannot talk about that because it's political. Well, the reason it's political is because politicians are talking about it, but it happens to be biblical. (laughs) And we've got to decide, well, am I going to just be quiet because the politicians are talking about it? Does that mean Christians are supposed to get out of it? I mean, is that where we are now? And I feel like that some of our lead, you know, were you at the Southern Baptist Convention this year in June? Did you go over there to Nashville? I've actually never yeah. went to a Southern Baptist Convention meeting. Well, it had been many, many years since I'd been, but I went Nashville. Went I always to Nashville. get the invite, but I never go. <laughs> and see, there's another one of my heroes that, that I'm, I'm really discouraged about right now is J.D. Greer. You know, he was our, he's our outgoing pastor of the Southern Baptist Convention. I love J.D. Greer to death. I used to listen to his sermons all the time. And then at the Southern Baptist Convention in June, he preached a convention message. He was the outgoing president, preached a really strong message the first half. The last half, he said, (laughs) now, guys, we're not going to be political. But that basically was his way of saying, we're going to take critical theory off the table. We're not going to talk about that. And, uh, you know, it's it's just breaking my heart. Okay, so you two times you've mentioned critical theory. And I have uh, tried my best to brush up and read on it. And I think I have a little bit of awareness. But for some of our listeners out there, can you just try to define critical theory, its perspective, and its impact on the church, if you would? I'll try. I believe, and and let me say this, I don't set myself up as an expert here, but I've done a little reading and listening myself, trying to understand it, just like you. But as I understand it, if you're familiar with Karl Marx and Mm -hmm. and socialism and Marxism, what Marx did is Marx basically said, I'm going to see the world as divided into groups, only he did it economically. He saw uh, what he called the bourgeoisie, and he saw the proletariat. The bourgeoisie, these are the people that have, have control over the money. These are the people with the power. These are the people with the resources. The proletariat, these are the poor working jerks. You know, they're working in the factories. And I think he that's thought, where I fall. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and so in his mind, in his mind, he worked up a philosophy and a worldview based on the fact that you've got these groups competing with each other. And he was urging the proletariat to be to rise up in revolution and throw off this yoke of slavery they've got. Mm. And and that was what brought about the Marxist revolutions and the socialist revolutions we've seen. And it never works. You know, I could no. get in, we could get into socialism right now. And I'm not sure I want to go there, mm. but it never, ever, ever has a good outcome. Everybody that tries it thinks, oh, it's going to be different this time. We're going to make it work. Yeah. And it never, ever works. It, it's, yeah. it's, it doesn't understand or it doesn't accept what the Bible says about men. So it turns out to be a failure. Doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. <laughs> you know, that was that they came out with that critical theory at the Frankfurt School in 1923. So they've been well, trying this, yeah. you know, uh, changing social thinking. For, since it's, yeah, what, what they did is they took Marx's ideas and instead of applying it economically, they applied it to other groups of people yeah. like blacks versus whites right. or homosexuals versus heterosexuals or women versus men. And they divide everybody into groups. And in every case, one of the groups is considered the oppressing or the oppressor group, and the other is the oppressed group. I didn't start hearing about critical theory. And sometimes, and you can tell me, is there a difference between critical race theory and well, critical theory? Or are you just using Critical theory is a little more general term. Critical race theory is when you have this whole, you can call it cultural Marxism, I guess, where you've yeah. got the whole thing applied to race black and white and that's and that's the biggie right now in our culture but i didn't start hearing about this until 
Black Lives Matter, mm -hmm. uh, Antifa, yeah. and some of these social uprisings right. that we're seeing right now right. in right. in our time. Go and, ahead. And, and one of the reasons it's, it's gotten Christians and caught, Christian, caught Christians off guard is because they'll say, look, you're against racism, aren't you? Well, sure. Absolutely, yeah. And you're against oppressing people, aren't you? Well, yeah, yeah. absolutely. And you're against uh, trying to keep people poor, aren't you? Well, yeah. Uh, uh, you're you're against white supremacy, aren't you? Well, yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, you know, you want to see the poor help, don't you? Yeah. yeah. Well, then you're one of us. And and it and it's it's called a bait and switch kind of thing. You know? yeah, yeah. It reminds me of uh, something the evolutionists do. I know we're not talking about evolution today, but uh, I've seen this before too and read this before. An evolutionist will talk to a student, for example, and say, look, you realize, don't you, that bacteria can develop uh, resistance to antibiotics? And you say, yeah, I know that. And he says, well, that's, that's evolution. You're an evolutionist. No, it's not. <laughs> Those are two very different. It's very different for one species to change a little bit and adapt, for example, to an antibiotic. That's taking a very broad stroke, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and they're talking about two different animals. I mean, the, the, the evolution means changing something that's basically a, a one-cell organism <laughs> into something incredibly complex, totally yes. different thing. Anyway, that's that's another story. But the, but they use the bait and switch tactic, and that's what people do in critical theory. They say, look, you're 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 against racism, you're for poor people, you're against oppression, you're against white supremacy. So that's what we are. But mm -hmm. they've got different definitions. You're for justice. There's a big one right now. The Bible's big on justice, no question about it. But biblical justice and what they're calling social justice are two very different things. Social justice, they're looking at groups. If you're a, if, if in their mind, if you're white, then you're automatically a racist because you're part of the oppressive group. It doesn't matter how you treat black people personally. You just are part of the group that's the racist group. So that's you. And uh, they, they put, and, and then they've got this, <laughs> makes it even more complicated, but they've got this intersectional stuff, you know, where you, if you happen to be uh, black and a woman, and maybe transgender woman, and maybe uh, lesbian transgender. You know, there's many of the minority groups as you can get, then you're considered more and more oppressed and therefore have more and more right to uh, relief. Uh, so it gets really complicated sometimes. But, but what I'm afraid has happened in many of our churches, especially churches where they, where they have a lot of black constituents, a lot of black people, and, and churches where they've got a lot of... Uh, of uh, kids, young people, college kids, they a lot of these, a lot of black people and a lot of kids have bought into this. Now, not all have. Are you familiar with Vody Bauckham? You know Vody Bauckham? Yes, no Vody. He's awesome, and he see he sees the truth in this stuff. He's got a book out called If You Want to Learn About Critical Theory. He's got a book called Fault Lines. Check it out. It's good stuff. He's sharp, brilliant, and God's really using him. Mm -hmm. And I think the way we're going to see our way through this is God using a lot of black men who see the truth about his word and the truth about cultural Marxism and are willing to speak up like voting. And, and, and they're going to be the ones that turn this around. But if you're a pastor of a church and you have a lot of kids who say, look, if you start talking about homosexuals, our friends are homosexuals. We, we, we think homosexuals. Okay. It's just the way they are. It's just the way God made them. And so don't, don't mess with that. Or if you've got a lot of blacks who say, look, we believe black, black lives matter or is trying to do something good. And so don't mess with that. Don't touch that. If you get those vibrations, it's very tempting to back off. Mr. Hall, can we just go there for a second?
Um, because there is that argument about homosexuality, and this is just the way God made us. And we're trying to like impose our beliefs on God's word mm-hmm. and somehow find some type of middle ground. And and I remember I used to think to myself, no, God didn't create people to be homosexual. God made uh, people, you know, man and woman. He told them, you know, be fruitful and multiply. And the only way you mm-hmm. can do that mm-hmm. is, um, you know, through male and female reproduction. But then I got to thinking, you know, people are like, well, you know, I was just born this way. And then I got to thinking about what David said. David said, from my mother's womb, mm-hmm. I was born into sin. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you can, somebody might even be able to make that argument. Well, maybe I was just born this way, but it still doesn't change the fact that it's sin. Yeah. And it's, and, and Jesus said, you must be born, born again. again. Yeah. So there's, there's, there's no, for me, there's no argument where I can endorse yeah. that type of lifestyle. Let me, let me tell you what I think is a good analogy with that. Okay, go ahead. I think every single one of us, you're right. We're all born. We're all descendants of Adam. Our great, 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 great father, Adam. And, and because he blew it, we've inherited his tendency to sin. We all have it. And every one of us are born with certain weaknesses. I mean, and we develop some of these as we live our lives, too. It's not all from birth, but, but we, we have a tendency towards certain sins. For example, you could have somebody who has an anger problem, and they just kind of learn through the years. They, resp- they respond to things. When things don't go their way, they blow up real quickly. All right? They could say, look, that's just the way I am. That's just who I am. Well, in a sense, that's true. They may have that tendency as part of who they are, but God doesn't excuse it. He doesn't say, well, if you just that way, I go, just go ahead and give into it. He says, no, you may have a weakness there. You may have a temptation there, but you've got to overcome the temptation. And I've given you all you need. I've given the weapons that you need in my word to stand firm and resist this thing and overcome it. And that's true. Yeah. Of, that's, and heterosexual sin is the same kind of thing. I mean, there are people who, who feel like, man, I'm just wired so that I've got to have sex with somebody else's wife. When God says, well, you may feel that way. You may feel like that's who you are, but it's not going to be okay. No, and, okay. He, and he says, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Mm-hmm. You know, so we got to understand that he came, he is the physician. He came for us being sick. And, and by that, you know, if we come from our mother's womb with sin, we're sick from the beginning. And he said, hey, I came for the sick. That's right. You know, the healthy don't need a doctor. I came for you that do not know me yet. You who need to accept me. That's who I came from. And and this this whole Marxism and critical theory and everything that, that we're combating in our culture right now and God's people, are, we're on the front lines with this thing. Yes. Uh, and what we what we got to understand is – this this is not something new. It's from the it, this is coming and stemming from Babylon. Oh yeah, you know it's coming and stemming from Babylon. Everything they stood for is just in line with this, and it's just the enemy pushing, pushing, yes. pushing, and God's people are going to have to rise up. Well, and what we've got to decide is it's not okay, as we were saying, to excuse any sin, and that's what's happening with the homosexual movement right now, and the transgender movement, same thing. But they're saying, look. This is the way God made me. This is who I am. And and if you don't accept it, then you're a hater. You're yes. a homophobe. Yep. And you're a bigot. And you got to accept me just like I am. And so they make up truth in their own heart and mind. It's true in their mind that they are this way by birth. They can't help it. There's nothing they can do about it. But God says, you may have that strong temptation. And it may be, it may be a stronghold in your life. 
But God says, I can give you victory over that. Yes. You do not have to give in to that. You do not have to commit that sin. I'm not saying they'll always conquer the temptation. I mean, they're, they're men that go through their whole life struggling against heterosexual lust, you know, but they don't give in to it. Right. Or if they do, they repent. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And, and mm-hmm. so we... That, that's that's the way we are as human beings, but we just must not excuse it. I don't get to say, I mean, there are guys out there, if, if they had the opportunity, and I'm sure they're there, I guarantee there are people out there like that who say, look, it's just who I am. I, I, I'm built so that I need to have sex with kids. And for most of us, we think, what? <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> and, and, and most of us see that very obvious, but I guarantee there'll be a movement probably before long, if there's not already, that says, look, if the kids are willing, there's nothing wrong with it. And they're willing to kill kids. They're willing to give kids abortions. You know, I wouldn't be surprised to see them say, this is, this is just the way some people are wired. We have to learn to accept this. But it's, it's a disgusting. perversion. It's an awful sin. God calls it an abomination. Yes. But all of, the, all of these things that we're talking about, it's just simply a perversion of God's word. And see, that's the thing that Satan has attempted to do since the beginning. He's yeah. attempted to yeah. create doubt. And what he said to Adam, did God say? Yeah. Did God yeah. really say? That's and exactly so right. when, when man starts to try to, like I said, rationalize his own personal convictions and who says what's right and wrong, mm-hmm. my own, my morality mm-hmm. is my truth. Mm-hmm. You know, we've all, we've all probably yeah. heard that. Yeah. Well, this is, this is my truth. Mm-hmm. It does, you know, I want to respect your truth, but at the same time, <laughs> yeah. my truth is defined by the word of God. Mm. Yeah. I do not define God's word. I don't look at God's word through my own lens and then filter out what I want. I allow the word of God to define truth yeah. for me. Yeah. And if I'm struggling with that truth, then I'm going to be praying for guidance. I'm going to be praying for the Holy Spirit to minister to me and to teach me, to lead me, to guide yeah. me. But we're living in a culture now that wants to say everybody is his own. They want me not to say this words, but they're saying everybody is his or her own little God. Yeah, little G. You, yep. you get to decide what's right for you. There'll be teachers tell kids that. There'll be parents tell kids that. There'll be grandparents tell kids that. You decide what's right for you. You don't let anybody else tell you what's right or what's wrong. You decide what's right for you. And God says, no, 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 no the hardest desperately wicked and deceitful above all things and it will mislead it. you yeah, <laughs> and so true. and so you need to trust what god says this is this is truth god says i'm giving you truth and i don't get to make up my own truth and unfortunately we're living in a culture now where they're 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 really trying to shut us up yeah, <laughs> more than ever That's true. you know in canada right now they passed a law just recently that may make it impossible for pastors to even talk about homosexuality from the pulpit now without being arrested. I mean, that, mm-hmm. that's happening in Canada. Mm-hmm. Even, even the conservatives in Canada and Britain have given in to this stuff. They call themselves conservatives. They're not conservatives. Anymore. But, but, they, <laughs> but, they, but, but, you know, and, and it's happening in, in a lot of places in the United States, too. We've just got way too many people who are not willing to stand firm on God's word they just say, look, everybody gets to decide what's right for them. And that reminds us of judges. Oh, yes. You know, in that, in that day, oh, yeah. everybody decided what was right in his own eyes and mm-hmm. did what was right in his own eyes. And if you've ever read the book of Judges, you know that that is not a pleasant Not a book. good outcome. <laughs> it is not a very good book. Um, but, Mr. Hall, so we're talking about this, this critical theory. We're talking about some of these things that's happening in, in our culture and in our world. And the... What, what should the church's response be to this? You know, obviously, I think we need to try to educate ourselves. Yes. Um, but the Bible also says that there are some foolish and unwarranted questions mm-hmm. 
which do gender strife. And recently, several several episodes ago, um, I was able to do an interview with uh, Dr. Kent Hovine. Are you familiar mm-hmm. with Hovine? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, just, mm-hmm. just brilliant, um, brilliant man. But it seems like sometimes, from a Christian's perspective, we're all the time all the time trying to condemn the world and tell them what our view is and what's right. And it ends up turning into an argument. And then obviously if it's in an argument, then we're wanting to win and we want to try to, and it becomes about who wins. I win, you know, and you're, I'm right. You're wrong. What should the church's response be to the dynamic that's happening right now in our culture and the war yeah. That's being waged against the church. Well, I believe at least a lot of people in the church are biblically kind of illiterate. They don't really know what the Bible says about these things. So I think a pastor and a teacher, a Bible teacher, I think we have to say, guys, look, uh, this is what God's Word says about homosexuality. This is what God's Word says about racism. This is what God's Word says about oppression. This is what God's Word says about justice. And 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 this is how it contrasts with what the world is saying about these things. And I've got an obligation to tell you the truth. Now, we love homosexuals. We love transgender people. We love people who are embracing critical theory. We love socialists and Marxists. We love these people. And we want to, we want the best for them. But when you love somebody, you tell them the truth. And so mm-hmm. I've got to tell you the truth. You know, if, if I, if, if I had cancer, I've used this illustration a lot with my kids at school, but, but, but if you, if I told you that I just been back to the doctor and I had cancer and, the, and, the, and I said, Roman, the doctor says that uh, if I just do the chemo and the radiation and let him do a little surgery, that this is very curable. He can fix it that way. But Roman, I just hate the thoughts of chemo and I don't like radiation and I don't, don't like surgery. So I'm going to treat it myself. I'm, I'm just going to treat it. I think I can treat it with a little bit of whiskey every morning <laughs> and maybe a few candy bars. And that's, that's how I'm going to treat my cancer. Now, if you love me, you're not going to say, well, I guess that's Steve's truth. <laughs> I mean, I guess if that's what Steve wants to do, if you really love me, you're going to say, Steve. Have you lost your mind? Yeah, please, Steve, come to your senses here. <laughs> yeah. Think about reality. Think about what really yeah. is true, no, not what you want to be true. Proverbs 27, 5 says, open rebuke is better than secret love. Yes, Ooh. isn't that good? Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Yeah, we've got to speak the truth. Wow. Now, now, Roman, you're right about the arguments. I mean, it does. It, it, when it deteriorates in an argument, we need to say, Lord, help me to be sensitive here. There's a time when I need to back off and realize I'm not getting anywhere. And there, I realize there's a time for that. But, but I'm afraid what many of our pastors are being tempted to do is simply keep it quiet. Play it kind of soft. Don't talk too much about these things mm-hmm. because somebody's liable to get upset. And that's where a pastor really gets tested. Compromising. Mm-hmm. Treading lightly. Mm-hmm. And and this is one thing I wanted to address earlier when you was talking about something. <laughs> I think sometimes we've just become vanilla. Mm-hmm. Where we're not hot, mm. we're not cold, mm. we're just kind of somewhere in the middle. Yep. And what does that remind you of? This church of Laodicea, Laodicea right? Lukewarmness spit you out of my mouth. Yeah. And That's what's happening but, right now in many but, of our churches. Well, and I tell you another this this has been on my heart now for years. Our kids our kids are getting bombarded. I guarantee in social media, movies, the music industry, they are being bombarded. Even people that call themselves Christian musicians in many cases are embracing this stuff. It's sin, but they're, 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 they're just embracing it. And our kids are, if we don't say, look, 
kids, we got to tell you the truth now. This, this is you got to know this. You got to know they, they got to know what the Bible really does say about these things. We got to help them see it. I started a class this year at Cross Creek. It's a brand new class, and uh, uh, my principal Melissa Whitfield gave me permission to teach it. And it's basically, you remember the, well, you, you left before I started Veritas. You, are you familiar with the Veritas stuff that I used to do at Teleco? Share a little bit of it with in, me. In but... 2006, I started a club at Teleco. We call it Veritas. Veritas is just a Latin word for truth. <laughs> and, uh, and we started this club where I thought, I'm going to do my best to help some of these kids get prepared for what they're going to run into when they get in college, especially. But not just in college. It's just a secular work field, you know, in general, wherever you go. But. I thought one of the things they, they don't know how to do is they don't know how to tell other people how we know the Bible's true. They don't know how to tell other people how I know there's a God. They don't know how to tell other people how I know Jesus really rose from the dead. They don't know enough about fulfilled prophecy. They don't know enough about archaeology, about early manuscripts. They don't know these things. They've never been taught these things. Because up until recently, all you had to do is say, We've always been Christian. Okay, yeah, fine. <laughs> I was raised a Christian. Now I, I just know it's true. I know it in my heart. Mm -hmm. That's that's good. There's nothing wrong with that. It's good to know it in your heart. But you better be able to show it to people who don't know it. Right. And you better be able to deal with it when the professor comes along and starts asking questions like Satan did Eve in the garden. Did God really say this? Are you yeah. sure about this? And they've got all kinds of stuff that they can hit them with. He so. made her question everything. And we need to prepare them for that. So we started a course. And and by the way, if anybody wants to go to it, if anybody wants to see what we're doing, uh, if you go to aboundingjoy.com, that's my website. And there's a there's a link there at the top in the menu section that says Warriors for Christ, Veritas Warriors for Christ. If you click on that, the whole course is outlined there. i got about 56 videos that I've done. And, I told you and, he was text and I've got and I've wow. got I've got questions and answers. They're all on YouTube, and you can you, you can look at a list of questions and talk about that before you look at the video. After you look at the video, you can look at the questions and answers and talk about it with the kids. You can go through it and pull the topics out that you think are interesting. You don't have to watch the whole thing, but I've got things there that will help youth pastors and parents and grandparents and just kids who are interested in it and willing to get into it, help them get equipped, help them get prepared. I'm telling you, it's one of the biggest jobs the church has to do today. So I think, obviously, we could just keep going round and round in circles about this. But, Mr. Hall, that might be a good way to kind of wrap us up. So let's do a couple of little closing thoughts here. We'll, we'll let you, you know, uh, close this out. Paul, obviously, you two closing, closing thoughts. But what we have to realize is the church is under attack right now. Yes. The enemy knows his time is drawing short. Yes. And a lot of times we, we envision Satan as being that guy that hangs out in the bars, that guy that hangs out, you know, in these shady establishments, whatever. But you really need to realize mm. that Satan also hangs out in the church. Yes, he does. That Satan comes into the church and he's trying to deceive. Angel of light. He's that angel mm. of light that's coming in. Mm -hmm. So we need to equip ourselves. Yes. We need, we need to be ready. And yes. some of the stuff that Mr. Hall has talked about, it's difficult for us to strip this down into something that's less than an hour. Mm -hmm. So we want to encourage everybody to do some do some research yes. from a reputable source, from a, a place or a location that you know is going to have have good doctrine mm -hmm. and, and good sound theology. Yes. Obviously, uh, aboundingjoy.com, Mr. <laughs> Hall, is, is a great place to start. Mm -hmm. So, Mr. Hall, if you don't mind, just give us some clothing, closing thoughts, and then we're going to turn Paul loose I would just I would just conclude with this. If you're a Christian listening to this and you hope that maybe you can escape the, the, the problem of having to take a stand on some of these things, and if you just kind of keep 
quiet and stay, maybe you'll get to stay below the radar screen. Don't count on that happening. I believe every Christian needs to be prepared. We're going to get, we're going to have to make a decision. Are we going to stand or not? And the time will come when we'll be forced to make that kind of decision. And when it comes, we better be ready to stand firm, even if it, even if it's expensive, it may cost us. Right. It may cost us some relationships with family members that could be painful. But we still have to say, i got to stand with the Lord. Amen. Whatever you do, I'm going to stand with the Lord. Amen. But the, the time's coming in a blink of an eye when this was going to be over. We're going to be with him. Right. Yeah. And when we'll look back and we'll be really, really sorry we didn't stand firm more often mm. than we have. Okay, we'll stop right there. Obviously, all of us need to be praying for all of our pastors all over our country. But if you're Southern Baptist like I am, we need to be praying especially for our Southern Baptist pastors. All of them, especially the high-profile men, you know who I'm talking about, large churches, mega churches, they're under a lot of pressure, guys, to conform to what I believe is a rotting culture all around us, and they're trying to rationalize their bad decisions in many cases. And we need to be praying that God would give these men courage to stand firm. Meanwhile, whatever they do, whatever our pastors do or don't do, I want to encourage you. I mean, you may feel like, I feel sometimes we're just little peons and we don't count for much. But listen, every one of us counts in the kingdom of God, every one of us. So wherever you are, whatever your role is, if you love Jesus and if you love God's word, realize you are going to be under pressure to conform to this world and make sure you've just made up your mind by God's grace. You're going to stand firm in God's truth and in God's word. Stand firm. And if you need a little help with that, come to our Sunday school class. We call it the standing firm. Bible study class. We'd love for you to join us. 1015 every Sunday morning at Fairview Baptist Tabernacle, room 216. We'd love for you to join us. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for uh, this opportunity to talk about things that are getting very, very heavy for us in our day. Lord, it seems like the world is pressing in with greater intensity than ever before in our, in our era anyway, uh, against your, your kids, against your pastors, and Lord, the temptations are strong, we know. And we pray for pastors all over this land that you'd give them courage if they believe your word. We know, Lord, there are many people masquerading as pastors who don't even believe your word. But Lord, those who do believe your word, give them courage. Give them the wisdom. Give them grace to stand firm. And give them thick skins. And, and give them the grace they need to communicate well and with grace and love and patience. And yet stand firm in your truth, even if givers leave the church, even if... Uh, deacons leave the church or whatever, even if young people leave the church. Lord, help us to stand firm. We don't want to be ugly. We don't want to be so aggressive that we turn people off. But Lord, at the same time, we want to be found faithful. So please help our pastors stand firm and help us to stand firm in your truth. We know apart from you, we can do nothing right at all. We'll mess it up. So we're asking you to fill us with your spirit and use us for your glory and help us to stand against the wiles of the devil and to make good decisions when people are questioning us about critical theory or about the sexual revolution. Lord, help us not to be sucked in to Satan's deceptions. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.